On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about being fit for the kingdom. It's an important idea. Jesus presents it for us in Luke chapter 9. We want to talk about that. It's important. Jesus wants people who are fit. What does that mean for us? How can we make sure that we're fit? What are the implications for us in our spiritual life? We're going to talk about it. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and uh, we welcome you into the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday june 23rd 2022 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn josh mccord is here to my right josh welcome to the program good to be here jacob Glad that you're here. Kyle is behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here making us look good, hopefully, on the Internet yeah, tonight. A little bumpy the, start there. Yeah, well, we may be a little glitchy. Uh, quality may not be that great, but at least we're going live. So, All right. So we should be there. We're glad that you're out there on the other end of the line tonight. Hopefully, uh, you're there on the other end of the line tonight. We'd love to hear from you at eight seven or 931-381-4567 is the number to call. That line's open. You can call and let your thoughts be known on the phone tonight, questions at collegeview.com is the email address you use. Josh is standing ready on the emails tonight. And in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed, you can sign in and chat with other listeners there. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Josh, uh, this is uh, an idea that you saw here in John Ch- or Luke chapter 9 about mm-hmm. Jesus talking about being fit for the kingdom and the importance of uh, what he's talking about here. Yeah, yeah, Jesus mentions being fit for the kingdom, and, and we'll talk about these verses. You know, when we talk about fitness in today's world, the first thing I think about is physical fitness. You know, I've got to work to be fit and be in shape, and then I've got to work to maintain to be in some kind of fitness. I need to work on all that. Uh, but uh, it's a whole lifestyle change, you know, and, and so when you think about spiritual fitness, uh, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, how do we do that? How do we maintain that? What do we need to do in order to achieve that? Uh, and, and so hopefully it'll be a good study. All right. You can email us your thoughts or send them in the chat window tonight. Earlier today, we asked some questions about this passage from Luke chapter 9, verse 62. What does it mean to put your hand to the plow? We're going to read that passage next. But what does it mean to put your hand to the plow, and how does one do that? Number two, what does looking back mean? Do you know any examples of people in the Bible who looked back? What are the implications of this phrase to the once saved, always saved doctrine? And number three, what are some things that tempt people to look back? And number four, what aspects of being a Christian would require us to be fit? How can we get fit and stay fit? So that should be a very important discussion tonight. Again, we're glad you're here. We're looking forward to hearing from you tonight. Get us started on this, uh, Josh. Why don't you read the the passage in uh, in question tonight so we can get to the context of what Jesus is saying here. Sure. Luke 9, beginning at verse 57. It says, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. 
And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right. So Jesus is calling some folks here to follow him, makes the call very clear. But there's some folks who sort of drag their feet on following him. Yeah, they had other things going on. Uh, everybody's got things going on in life. And when Jesus came to call these folks, they had things that they were dealing with. And so uh, in, in verse 59, he, he uh, well, in verse 57, he saw a certain man. And this man said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Yeah. Uh, and so <clears throat> Jesus told him in verse 58, you know, the, the way I'm going is not going to be some vacation, easy way to travel. And he talked about uh, how animals have places to that they spend their time. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. But Jesus said he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. It's going to be difficult. Um, and so, you know, not for the faint of heart, I guess. You ever known somebody? I mean, it sounds like a great idea to follow Jesus on the surface. And I think that this this gentleman here um, is sort of he's sort of taken with the idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe the maybe he sees the benefits of it. Yeah. But when it gets down to the facts of the matter and what it's going to really be like. That's when it gets a little sticky. Yeah, easier said than done, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that was his attitude. Yeah. Uh, and so then verse 59, Jesus said to another person, follow me. And that fellow said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. You know, I've got I've got family obligations to take care of. Uh, and I, I don't think at all Jesus here, you know, doesn't want people to attend funerals of, of family members. But this, this is just an excuse. This fellow said, you know, I've got I've got things to go and do. And I really think the, the idea here is my father is older in age. I need to go and help on the farm or whatever and make sure things are all squared away and taken care of there. And then when I get time, when everything's settled, then I'll get back to you, Jesus, and then maybe I can follow you then. Uh, and and so that's not going to work either. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And then another person, verse 61, said, Lord, I'll follow thee, but first, uh, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. I don't think Jesus at all had an issue with Telling your family goodbye before you leave. Again, this was another excuse. You know, it's it's the cares of the world, and we'll talk more about that, keeping him distracted. And that's when Jesus made this statement in verse 62 about any no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right. And that is our discussion tonight. Yeah. But you can see some folks there, and maybe some of these uh, excuses or uh, explanations have maybe fit us in the past. and. In our attitude towards serving God, we need right. to talk about that on the program tonight. Eight the 931-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. So what does it mean then, Josh, to put your hand to the plow? Um, well, Jesus was talking about getting to work. Uh, you know, physically when we plow, we, we start the job, you know, we're plowing and we're doing work. But he, he wasn't talking about just merely physical things here. He's talking about um, spiritual things. And when he said when you put your hand to the plow, it would be to start the uh, start the task and then fail to finish it. Start the task and not be dedicated to it. And, and that's really how he was answering these different people. They're, they're mm-hmm. willing to say, oh, I'll follow you. But first let me go do this uh, yeah. or delay to follow him. Jesus said when you start the task, you got to finish it out. It's not just a half-hearted effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, David says in, in the chat room, it means do something. Don't just sit there. I think that that fits. Yes, I think so too. It's an it's an active thing. Right. You you don't put your hand to the plow to just to sort of have right. a life of leisure. Right. That, that's that's work. It's a job. Yeah. All right. And Michelle in the chat room says we must seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Agree. All right. 
I'm giving Michelle credit tonight for Dwight and Michelle's comments. It's about time. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, <clears throat> it means action. I see a a dis- personal decision in this as well. I put my hands where I decide to put my hands. Right. There are some folks who say that, well, God will move on you in such a way where you can't help but put your hand to the plow. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of imagery that we have here. No, not at all. Actually, Jesus told these fellows uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, in verse 58, that's what we talked about. Jesus told them this isn't just going to be some cakewalk. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be work. You got to be dedicated in the answers that he gave. You need to be committed. And so I think you're right. Uh, we have the information available to us and uh the Lord would want us to take that information and make the decision for ourselves to follow him mm-hmm. and then be dedicated to it. It's a lifestyle change. You know, just like I mentioned a minute ago, when you decide if you want to get fit physically, it's a whole lifestyle. You know, we, we, we choose to eat a certain way or exercise. Well, spiritually, um, if we're going to be fit for the kingdom, then we've got to make the decision to have a total lifestyle change. It's not just, you know, today I think I'm going to be fit for the kingdom, but tomorrow I'll do whatever I want it. Now, it's a total commitment uh, to the Lord and how we live. Okay. <clears throat> Your comments are welcome in the chat room tonight. Help us out with the discussion. Uh, certainly, <clears throat> when we see this idea of putting our hand to the plow, it implies work. Dwight, in his email tonight, Dwight and Michelle in their email, said, putting one's hand to the plow basically means it is time to get busy. Putting your hand to the plow is a commitment. Once one commits to something such as plowing the field, they must continue to move forward until the job is done. One does this spiritually upon becoming a Christian and throughout their life by being obedient to the word. Getting busy helps others and teaching others. Get busy, getting busy helping others and teaching others the truth. The Great Commission teaches us to go into the world and teach the lost. Philippians 2 verse 2 through 4 says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition uh, or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not out for his own uh, only, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Basically, we need to be busy fulfilling what God wants us to do, Dwight and Michelle say. Appreciate those comments tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how do you put your hand to the plow? Um, Well, you know, uh, basically we have to decide, you know, who we're going to follow. We can't have divided uh, attention and divided affection. In Matthew 6 and verse 24, again, Jesus uses those words, no man. But he said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, And so, among other things, you you have to choose God above anything this world has to offer, and you have to be determined, you know, I'm following God now. This is who I'm going to be committed to. I'm giving my life to him. Uh, and so we do that by submitting to his will. You know, and we, and we talk a lot about what one must do in order to be saved, become a Christian. Um, but other than the plan of salvation, I mean, you have to make up in your mind, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to be obedient to his will. Mm-hmm. Whatever he's told me to do, I'm going to try to do that to the best of my ability. Yeah. And, and that's what you have to decide to do. Yeah. And, and this idea of plowing is not just, uh, you know, something that, you're at your freedom. If I'm plowing your field, I'm going to yeah. plow your field the way you want it plowed. Right. And the uh, same it is with God when working in his kingdom. We're going to be doing what he wants us to do in the way he wants us to do it. Right. You know, yeah. that same that same uh, analogy, Jacob, you know, when you're plowing, you want your rows to be straight. You want things to be proper and fit in order to grow uh, whatever crop it is that you're growing. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can't just be out there 
um, looking around and not paying attention to what you're doing. And, and you're absolutely right. We're, we're working uh, for God, and we have to do things the way he'd want them to be done, to be oh. effective. We're going to get a break, and we'll take your comments uh, during the break in the chat room if you'd like to get them in there now. When we get back, we've got to get now to the idea. He says, so no man looking to the having put his hand to the plow and looking back. What does that mean? Looking back, what are the implications for us? Well, there's some doctrinal implications here as well, and we're going to talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Sin is that serious. It separates us from God. In fact, so serious that he sent Jesus to die for your sins. Seek him so that your sins can be forgiven. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. We don't fail because we don't know what to do. We fail because we don't do what we know we should do. We must look for opportunity in every difficulty instead of being paralyzed at the thought of the difficulty in every opportunity. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. Determine never to be idle. It is wonderful how much may be done if we are always doing. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about being fit for the kingdom. Jesus is talking to some about some folks here who were not fit for the kingdom because of their priorities, their commitment. Um, their dedication, and we want to make sure that we're not guilty of that same shortcoming in our lives. And so he talks about this idea of putting your hand to the plow, and then he says you're not fit if you put your hand to the plow, but then look back. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, one of the first uh, examples that comes to my mind, and uh, we're talking about being committed, obeying God, and looking back would be turning away from that. Dwight Michelle actually uh, just commented, said putting your hand to the plow also means looking forward, not back, because in farming, looking back will take you off a straight path. And mm-hmm. that's exactly right. When when you turn away from the direction that you're going, when you look back, uh, when you you know get off track, you're going to get yourself in trouble. One of the things, and, and we'll talk more about this, but looking back, what are we uh, being distracted by? Or what are we uh, you know not keeping focused on uh, God for? And the first example that comes to my mind is is Job's wife, or not not Job's wife. Um, yeah, she probably uh, looked back Lot's too. Lot's wife. But, but Lot's wife. <laughs> well, I read I read the comment. It said Job's okay, wife. Okay. Lot's wife. That's right. Um, in Genesis 19 and verse 26, uh, it says his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Uh, and then in Luke 17 and verse 32, mm-hmm. we're told to remember Lot's wife. You know, so in that whole scenario, they were told to leave. You know, they were leaving a wicked city behind, and and they were being uh, asked to leave and told to leave because it was going to be destroyed. God was not pleased with the wickedness uh, going on. Uh, and so, but she looked back in a longing way. You know, it's, it's um, the the path that is before you to follow God was there, knew what ought to be done, Lot and his wife. But uh, 
she had some hesitation about doing that, and she looked back, and in, in her case, um, she became a pillar of salt because they were told not to look back. Looking back at what she had left behind. Yeah. And um, and we often are tempted to do that, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought this life of being a Christian was going to be just a bed of roses. Yeah. It's not quite exactly what I bargained for. I didn't know that when I took a stand for what's right that it would alienate me from my friends and my family. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that when I took decided I was going to follow the Lord that it would mean I can't do certain things that would maybe make my social environment easier. Yeah. Uh, when I took a stand for what's right, I didn't realize that it might cost me my job. First century Christians, when I when I took a, a stand for what's right, I didn't realize I was going to get crucified for it, literally. Yeah. Um, so maybe I want to look back and say, you know what, maybe this wasn't what I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, it's easy to say I'm going to follow the Lord. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to say that. Yeah. But you know, when the when the rubber meets the road and things get difficult, <clears throat> if you're not committed, then you're going to look back and, uh, you know, like Jesus said, you're not going to be fit for the kingdom if you yeah. if you start the work and then you look back, turn around. Yeah. And uh, David in the chat room did put in Job's wife, um, <clears throat> and that may be an intentional because I think yeah. she did as well. You know, yeah. Yeah, she's Job's life is not what is not perfect. Mm-hmm. He's not in those behind those hedges yeah. anymore that Satan accused God of building around him. Right. He's suffering, and maybe she says, "You know what? It didn't worth it. Why? Why? Maybe we're not doing the right thing yeah. here. Curse God and die." Yeah. Yeah. yeah obviously, following God's not working out uh, for the yeah. best for us right now. Yeah. So yeah, uh, just be done with it. Right. And a lot of times we're tempted to just quit. Just right. be done with it. It's not worth it. Right. Brian in California says, perhaps the case of Lot's wife speaks to the dangers of being a double-minded man. David, or sorry, uh, Brian is referencing James chapter 1 there. That that, that double-minded man in chapter 1, verse 7, is unstable in all his ways. Well, that might be the guy who's looking back. Maybe he's unstable because he doesn't have his eyes fixed on what he needs to have his eyes fixed on. He's looking back. That sure would make for some unstable plowing, if you will. Right. Yeah. Uh, verse 8, I guess, is the double-minded man who's unstable in his ways, James chapter 1, verse 8. Thank you, Brian, for that. Thank you, David, for your comments as well. All right. Um, Dwight and Michelle, in their comment, in their email tonight, says, Once you become a Christian, there's no looking back into the dark world. We were once in darkness, but now are of the light. So looking back would be going back into darkness. Hebrews 4, 6, 4 through 6, or Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 says, For it is possible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. Hebrews 3, verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. And so he says, they say we need to be careful that we don't look back. Yeah. Now, there's some pretty significant implications to the doctrine of once saved, always saved, in this passage, in this right. statement. Um <clears throat> How could you put your hand to the plow and then look back and not be fit? Putting your hand to the plow means you started, right? And you've turned back and you're falling away. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Jesus's analogy doesn't make sense if you know once you get started, you're good and nothing ever. You know, there's no way you you can uh, no longer be continuing in uh, good standing with God. Then Jesus' whole analogy doesn't make sense. Doesn't make. Doesn't work. Breaks no, down. No, not at all. Doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Look back, look left, look yeah. right, what, yeah, whatever, you're, you're, you're fine. Once you're on the plow, you can't get off the plow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, here's what uh, they, are, they go on and say. They reference Hebrews 3, verse 12. 
Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you a heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Examples would be in uh, Demas, 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Lot's wife, Genesis 19:26. Hymenaeus and Philetus in 2 Timothy 2, 17 and 18. The implications are that, that there will be false teachers and some will fall away from the faith. They will have their conscience seared. So those who think that one cannot fall away from the truth uh, need to ask, we need to ask why there are so many warnings about keeping the faith and being obedient to God. Absolutely. Uh, that just doesn't make sense. Right. All right. Um, <clears throat> any other examples? Uh, they mentioned uh, Demas. They mentioned the... Uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Exodus 16, I was thinking of just about Israel, you know, mm-hmm. after they had been uh, in Egyptian bondage and then they had been set free from that. Exodus 16 and verse 3, it says, The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots <clears throat> and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Yeah. Uh, so the Israelites were uh, slaves and had been freed by God uh, in a in a very powerful way. Uh, when Moses uh, went down to tell tell Pharaoh to let my people go and brought about those ten plagues and powerfully demonstrated uh, who he was, and then they get off into the wilderness and you know things are uh, you know there's maybe some difficult times and then they start thinking you know we might have been better off back in Egypt. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, us looking at that story, we think, what were they thinking? But again, as you mentioned, maybe we do some of the same things, same things today. Uh, they had food back there in Egypt. They had security back there in Egypt. Maybe in some ways it was a little bit easier for us. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, when we become Christians and sometimes we get in difficult times of life, sometimes we think, you know, I just had it better off before. My life was easier. I didn't have to worry about any of these things. I just got to do whatever I wanted to do, and life was just so much easier. Uh, that's us. That's us looking back to the old way, being enslaved, not in Egyptian captivity, but being enslaved by sin, uh, and and you know our mindset's not looking at things the way that we ought to. But right. they look back. All right, nine three one three eight one four five six seven. Join in the phone, the discussion out on the phone. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, I think about this analogy of of plowing a field, and it's a hard lot. It would be hard work behind those animals, those oxen, plowing that furrow, but. When I look back, I take my eye off the goal, and I don't realize that I'm getting closer to the goal and that that row is getting shorter. And uh, we need to keep that in mind as we go through difficult times, that we're closer to our salvation than when we began. Yeah, it's valuable time we're wasting getting closer there. Yep. All right. Um, Some others who looked back. Well, uh, we've got got several examples here. In, In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, there's a man mentioned there. Uh, let me see if I can get over there in First Corinthians 15 and verse 33. Uh, well, that that verse is, is uh, Paul wrote it, and he said, "Be not deceived; evil communications corrupt good manners." Uh, and I, I think I wanted to reference that verse, just talking about uh, you know we're we're able to, or we're sometimes caused to look back when we get around the wrong type of crowd and the wrong type of influence, and so. Uh, you know, if we get around uh, influences that could cause us to look back, you know, because uh, we see people today and they make things that are, uh, you know, wrong and evil. It looks good. There's commercials on TV that make sinful things. They try to make it look good and appealing and show how fun it is. Uh, and 
you know, they're, obviously it's not. It doesn't show the end of sinful things. It doesn't show the destruction and pain and agony that can be brought about by it. Uh, and so, um, you know, when we, when we don't have our focus right, it could cause us to look back and yearn and long for things. But really, we need to we need to see things for what they are and realize that anything that's going to keep us from from plowing the way we ought to and working toward the goal of heaven is not going to be worth it. All right. Absolutely. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get a break and we'll get your thoughts on the other side of the break. If you'd like to send them in now, David in the chat room says baptism is a commencement is not a commencement commencement. It is a commitment. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yes. It's a commitment we're starting. We're putting our hand to the plow and we're going to plow for the Lord and we're not going to look back. All right, uh, so um, let us know your thoughts. What does it say about the once saved, always saved doctrine? And when we get back, what are some things that cause people to look back today? Ever been tempted to look back? Ever looked back? What are some of those things that would be a temptation to look back today? Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. In Paul's final meeting with the elders at Ephesus, he challenged them, he encouraged them, he charged them, and he warned them. He expressed his own confidence in their knowledge of God's truth and was certain that they had understood the expectations placed upon them. He said, quote, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Acts 20, verses 26 and 27. All who preach the gospel today should strive to accomplish that same task. Faithful preaching is not simply preaching that is free from error. While that is certainly important, there's more that's necessary. The whole counsel of God must be proclaimed. We need more than spiritual pep talks from the pulpit. While it is essential to deal with the positive themes of God's love, grace, forgiveness, and so forth, it is also critical that we cover important doctrinal issues that are so often neglected. When brethren are not well grounded in these crucial matters, they are left vulnerable to false teachers who, quote, will secretly bring in damnable heresies, unquote, 2 Peter 2, verse 1. Paul warned the Ephesian elders that such false teachers were, quote, grievous wolves, unquote, and that they would, quote, not spare the flock, unquote, Acts 20, verse 29. Brethren should demand a balance of preaching that stresses indispensable truths of both a positive and negative nature. Let all be encouraged by the affirmative facts of God's love and blessings, but let them also be strengthened against the assaults of the devil whose, quote, servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15. After a typical sermon, ask yourself, did the lesson do more than merely entertain? Did I learn something? Was I stirred to greater faith and service? Was my understanding of God's word increased? Am I better prepared to live in the face of the great challenges that surround me? Can I say, as the preacher brings lessons from week to week, that, quote, the whole counsel of God has been declared. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Um, Kyle, it's been a long time since I've been here. I don't know if maybe you can remind us who this program is brought to the listeners by. Yeah, the College View Church of Christ. It's uh, it's on 1618 Hampshire Pike. Yeah, it's in Columbia, right across from the Columbia State Community College. The only I say the only thing progressive about College View is the way we spell the view V U E. We're nice and fancy. Mm. Yeah, so, so there's a little flair yeah, there. So, so <laughs> yeah, so make sure you spell it right. So if uh, yeah, and you might want to throw it back to me for the uh, YouTube. Sure. Yeah. 
You can find us on YouTube. Yeah, it's a, that'd be at uh, College U live stream. Yeah, lots of uh, good lessons there. Growing library, um, sermons, and Bible classes. What else have I have I forgot anything, Kyle? No, that's it. All right, we're glad that you're listening tonight as we talk about being fit for the kingdom. Um, <clears throat> Jesus wants folks who are fit, and He says very clearly that there are some who are not, and we will make sure that we're not in that group. All right. Um, the once saved, always saved doctrine. Before we go on, we need to make sure that we're clear about this. The idea that I could put my hand to the plow and look back, and at that point I would not be fit for the kingdom. Right. Um, there are lots of things, lots of verses that talk about this idea of looking back, of falling away. And, um, and we need to be grounded on the idea that this is a possibility. Yeah, Jacob, one of the most, um, I don't know, just the word picture verses uh, in my mind is Second Peter 2, uh, beginning at verse 20. It says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Yeah. So in those verses, I really uh, just just be honest with you. I'm not sure how those can be misconstrued. A person that has escaped the pollutions of the world, what could that mean other than than they have found themselves in a safe condition now? They've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then they get entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. To me, that that can only mean what what we know it to mean, that a person wasn't a good standing with God, and now they've been entangled with the things of the world again. They've looked back. They've put their hand to the plow, and now they've looked back. And so now they're not fit for the kingdom of God because they've been overcome by the things of the world. And verse 22, there's that, that word picture. The dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed her wallowing in the mire. You know, the the dog was in good shape. He was doing okay, but now he's turned back to eating things that, that are just gross, his own vomit. And the sow that was washed, wallowing back in the mire again, got got right back into the to the filth. Uh, and so that that's the only thing that that can mean. A person was saved, and now they've been, they've looked back, and now they're back in sin again. Yeah. James chapter 5 uses this idea of turning as well. We talked about turning back, uh, one errs from the truth and one turns it back. Look at James five nineteen and 20. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, <coughs> he's wandered from the truth, mm-hmm. he needs to be turned back. Someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Talking about brethren here, talking about Christians. Right. And someone is wandering from the truth, they've looked back, they put their hand to the plow, they looked back, and he says, the one who turns him back, who turns the sinner from his error of the way, not that he was already a sinner to begin with, that he never was saved, no, he was saved, he's turned back, you'll save that soul from death. Um, you can be lost once yeah. you're saved. You can't put your hand to the plow and turn back. Yeah, it all it all makes perfect sense. In light of those verses, you understand better what Jesus is talking about, yeah. about putting your hand to the plow and turning back. There you go. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, in Galatians 4 and verse 9, Paul said, But now after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, 
How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? And so Paul there again was talking about being under the bondage of sin. You know, you're, you're known of God. You're in a good standing with him. And he, he was asking the rhetorical question, you know, why would you turn back and go back under bondage again? Well, you wouldn't do that. And, and here he was really contrasting the two covenants. Uh, but but we understand it makes sense once you have been saved from sin to turn and go back to it. It doesn't make sense. But it is possible. Yeah. And that's what we're saying. Yeah. Um, 931-381-4567. It's possible. <clears throat> this is a doctrine that I wish wasn't in the Bible. Um, you know, this is one that I, I do not like uh, accepting because... Uh, I would much rather like the, the, what Tanner Adams presented for us a few weeks ago, the idea that <clears throat> once you're saved, you're always saved. I'd like that. Uh, it'd make it a whole lot easier. It'd be, yeah, it'd be more comforting. But the scriptures teach this, and so we have to teach it. We have to accept it for what it says because I have to harmonize what the scriptures teach. Right. And I can't take a passage out of context and stand on that right. and then just walk all over all these other clear passages, which is what those who hold to this doctrine have to do. They have to pick out a a, a passage and, and, and interpret it in such a way that forces contradictions with other passages. We're saying you've got to make it all harmonized, and the only way you can make it harmonized is if these passages are teaching that you can fall once you've been saved, and you can put your hand to the plow and look back. You can be lost. That's what the Scriptures teach, and we have to accept it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Eric, and, okay, now, so we asked before we left for the break, what are some things that cause people to look back today? And in the chat room, we've got a few comments. <coughs> yeah, yeah, Eric in the chat room, he says, There are many, many examples of the wicked, or maybe not wicked, who have enjoyed riches, fame, whatever in this life, and did not reap earthly consequences. We need to think of eternity and on heavenly things. And I think that's right. Eric's right. There's people that we know that are, uh, maybe they're wicked, or maybe they're not so wicked, but uh, they have basically everything the world has to offer. Uh, and... Everything went great for them, you know, seemingly. Uh, but but he's right. We need to think of eternity and heavenly things. You know, we can get too distracted with the things in this life. Uh, and, and I think he's right. And Dwight and Michelle in the chat room said, we should learn from our mistakes not to look back and repeat them. And I think that's true as well. We, we learn and we grow, and that's a part of it. Uh, when we make mistakes, we correct it and try not to make that same mistake again. I think they're right. All right. Uh, appreciate those comments tonight. Um, uh <clears throat> I'm thinking about um, Matthew chapter 19 uh, when Jesus talks about the idea of material things and how they will cause us to look back and how difficult it is when we've been blessed materially. <clears throat> and I dare say that Jesus is talking to everyone who's listening to us tonight uh, with uh, enough means to afford a smartphone or a computer to listen that you're probably in that group of people Jesus would consider rich. And <clears throat> he says in Matthew 19, verse 23, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus, But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So, yes, Eric, one could live enjoying the riches of this life and be pleasing to God, but Jesus said it's going to be hard. And we've yeah. seen many people, maybe even ourselves, who have been distracted by yeah. the riches of this world. Yeah. 
yeah, having having <clears throat> possessions, you know, is it wrong in and of itself? What's our focus? You know, is our focus on? That's what uh, he gets to at the end of his comments right. there that we need to focus and think on eternity right. and heavenly things. Yeah, if, if our whole existence is about our possessions, then yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus is talking about there. Yeah. We're not going to be able to make it. All right. Other things that cause folks to look back? Uh, yeah, you know, I was thinking about Second um, Thessalonians <clears throat> two and beginning of verse ten. Uh, it says, "With all deceivableness of unrighteousness, and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved for this cause." God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Uh, so some of the things that we may look back to, I think, are just worldly pleasures. There's a lot of things in the world today that, that uh, you know, could look good and feel good, make us feel good, uh, you know. Uh, and so that's what people do. I mean, people chase after things that make them feel good and no matter what it is, no matter what God has said about it. And uh, unfortunately, there are things that maybe maybe we do that too. You know, God has said uh, to avoid it, but we say, well, but I mean, it makes me feel good and it looks good and everybody else is doing it. So uh, we sort of get caught up in it. You know, the thing about, the thing about sin is that uh, if it hurt you, you know, it right in the moment, if it if it was painful, if it made you feel really really bad physically in the moment, then nobody would do that. I mean, the the nature of sin is it's pleasurable and it make you feel good at least in the moment. If you're not if you're not uh, you know thinking clearly, you think oh this is enjoyable. But the thing about it is, if if God has said to avoid it, then we realize that it is hurting us in the moment spiritually. We're we're separating ourselves from God, and so uh, yeah, I just think the worldly pleasures are something that we may look back to. Maybe maybe we become a Christian and we look back and think, you know, it, it'd be so fun if I could go out and, and do whatever with some of these other people. It looks like they're having a great time. They never have a care in the world. Uh, and we get caught up in thinking on the wrong things. I think Eric's uh, comment is right there. We need to be thinking and having our focus on the right things, uh, yeah. eternal things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um... – I think one thing that causes us to look back, and you touched on this account earlier, is either short-term or long-term memory loss or both. As Christians, we've been delivered from the slavery of sin, and we sometimes are like those Israelites who had Mm -hmm. memory issues. They couldn't remember how bad it was in Egypt, and they're sitting there moaning and complaining that God had delivered them and said, oh, we had it so good back in Egypt. We were sitting by those flesh pots there. I mean, you just get whatever you wanted. It was like an all-you-could-eat buffet every day. (laughs) And we just sat around eating, and it was so wonderful. It wasn't what it was. No. They had forgotten. Yeah, how quickly they forgot. Yeah. And they march. They march out, and almost immediately, as as soon as they get out, they start longing, well, it would have been better if we'd been back there. And we do that in our lives today as well. Oh, it was so much better back then when I was living like the world and I was given over to worldly passions and lust and, and I, my life was a train wreck. It was so much better. I sort of wish I could go back. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I think sometimes we have a tendency just to pick out and remember the, the, the best parts of things, you know, and, uh, and so we, we foolishly maybe look back, uh, Without thinking about, you know, we were in sin. That was a terrible uh, time in my life that I was uh, doing something wrong and living not according to how God would want me to live. Uh, 
<clears throat> but I look back and I think, oh, man, it was so great. That, that's that's looking at things the wrong way, uh, you know. And just like like you mentioned, the Israelites did. What a foolish thing to look back and think they were better off in Egyptian captivity. Yeah. The psalmist in, seven, in the 73rd Psalm struggles with this idea. You know, is, is it really good for me to live faithfully to God? In the 73rd Psalm, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Uh, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? And is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. And so the psalmist is saying, maybe I ought to look back. looks like the evil have it all going for them, have everything going their way. And sometimes we're sort of short-sighted in that as well. We we fail to see the suffering that the sinner is enduring or will endure because we haven't got the focus that the psalmist needed. And as you go on in the 73rd Psalm, he'll see their end. He'll see with the right perspective what really is the end of those who are living wickedly. Yeah. Matter of perception, we we our perception is that everything's great for them, and that's just not the case. Not the case. Um, <clears throat> David in the chat room says, "Our desire for instant gratification needs to be replaced by our desire to please God." Absolutely, appreciate that, David. And then Brian says, um, "Possibly growing weary in Genesis, Galatians five or six verse nine makes us susceptible to grow, going awry. We have to keep on keeping on." And it is possible for us to grow weary in well-doing yeah, and uh, and tired and uh, fatigued. And that can cause us to think, well, maybe maybe it'd be easier if I wasn't strapped to this plow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll go to the top of the hour. Last thing for us to look at tonight is this idea of fitness. This is really what, we're, what it gets down to tonight, uh, Josh, where we can wrap this up is what does it mean to be fit? How do we get that way and stay that way? And uh, we'll get to that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground 
is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Generation Z, that's people who were born in the late 1990s and early 2000s, that generation is now the least religious generation ever, with 34% of them identifying as religiously unaffiliated. They are also far more likely to identify as atheist or agnostic, 18% in fact. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Psalm 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight as we talk about being fit for the kingdom of God and how we uh, can fall away, we can become unfit. So the question now remains is what aspect of being a Christian would require us to be fit and how can we get that way and stay that way? Yeah. Yeah, and so so the key is we said aspects of a Christian. So we're we're assuming a person has become a child of God. They've obeyed the gospel. They've heard the word, believed it, repented of their, repented of their sins, confessed their faith in Christ, and they've been baptized. But at that point, that's really when it all gets started. What do we need to do in order to 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 be fit, continue to be fit? Right. Um, and so I was thinking about uh, Hebrews chapter five, beginning of verse twelve. Uh, the Hebrew writer says, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And then chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, uh, and and he, he goes on to talk about other things. But what he's talking about is a person that was a Christian, but they failed to grow. Uh, and so when we fail to grow, you know, after, uh, and, you know, as we, as we have mentioned earlier, baptism isn't the end. Baptism is just the beginning. You've obeyed the gospel. Okay, now you're ready to start living the Christian life. Uh, but if you fail to grow, the Hebrew writer was, he was really, uh, you know, really reprimanding them here and saying, you should be teachers now, but you haven't grown. And so now you've got to be taught again the first principle. So we need to be growing. We need to be using the word of righteousness and not continue to be a babe in Christ. We ought to grow. And by reason of use, as he says in verse 14, we'll have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We've got to be growing. That means I've got to read. Yeah. i got to understand it. And then i got to put it to use, to practice. Yes. i got to use it to make decisions. Right. That's how I... Have my senses uh, trained to discern between good and evil. I've got a, I've got the knowledge now, but I've got to put it into application and to make it easier than to say, well, that's good. I ought to do that. That's bad. I need to abstain right. from it. Yeah. Uh, and that is in the Word of God in Second Peter chapter two verse two. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And so to get fit, 
it all revolves around his word. That's what's going to cause me to grow, the sincere milk of the word. I'm not going to get it by listening to some denominational preacher who's not teaching the truth. I'm not going to get it by reading some inspirational work of man. I'm going to grow and become fit by studying God's word. Yeah. All right. Um, And so uh, I get fit by looking to the word. Yeah, Eric Hickson in the chat room says study, prayer, associating with other Christians. I agree. Those are all things that are going to help us grow. You know, we're not going to we're not going to know the word of God without studying it, like we said. But if we're not uh, praying and praying consistently, then our relationship is not going to feel close with God. Any relationship is not going to work without communication. God's done the speaking to us. And now we, you know, we're called upon to pray to him and ask him for guidance and thank him. And then associating with other Christians. You know, there's a lot of people in the world uh, who are not going to be good influences. We get opportunity to associate with people who are good influences. And I really think we don't appreciate that as much as we ought to. You know, when we come together just for Bible study like we did last night, uh, you know, we're around the best citizens in town. We're around just some of the best people. Uh, You know, we're we're associating with Christians. That's going to help me be better. They're going to edify me and encourage me. And so... I think that I think that's a good point, Eric. All right. Thank you for those comments tonight. To Dwight and Michelle in their email tonight said all aspects of our life require us to be fit for the Lord. We need to live our life for the Lord in all we say and do. We should live our lives so as not to be afraid of the Lord's return at any time. First Corinthians four nine, twenty four through twenty seven says, Do you not know that those who run the race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Also, by studying God's word, applying his word, and helping others do the same will help us to get fit and stay fit. Appreciate that, Dwight and Michelle. <clears throat> all right. Um, I missed I missed Dwight and Michelle's comments on number three, on the idea of what are some things that cause people to look back. Sin is pleasurable. We do not easily forget that. Our friends and family do not just go away once we become Christians, usually. The temptations are there by Satan, and once he has lost you, he wants you back and will use every trick in the book to deceive you, to win you back to himself. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 teaches us to put on the armor of God, which is which is his word to protect us. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life are temptations that cause us to look back. First John 2, 2, verses 15 through 17. Thank you for that, uh, Dwight and Michelle, tonight. Well, uh, one more, one more couple, well, one more, I was going to say one more couple. Two more verses, yeah. a couple of verses to look at, one more place. In Matthew 7, beginning verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And so we know those verses very well. Uh, Jesus said it's, the road is going to be uh, straight and narrow in order to make it into life. Uh, but wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's going to be many going in there at. It's easy to to be lost. You know, put forth no effort spiritually, and you'll be lost. It's it's easy to do that. It's going to be more difficult to make it to heaven. Even people who have uh, become Christians, have to continue working in order to make it to the straight gate, the narrow way, which leads to life, because Jesus said there's going to be few that find it. 
Now that means it's going to it's going to take some work. It's going to take effort. And so in Luke nine and verse sixty two, he said, uh, you know, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. And so what we would say is, start the work, do it. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Never look back. Continue uh, pressing toward the goal, uh, and then you'll be able to make it with the, with God's help. Hence, First Timothy chapter four verse fifteen, beginning. Paul gives instructions to Timothy on how he can stay fit. He says, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. Timothy was taught to pay attention to what he had been taught, to think about it, to ruminate on it, to put it in his heart and meditate on it. And we need to be doing that as well. You know, Satan's trying to get a lot of things in our heart, things that aren't necessarily sinful in and of themselves. Maybe it is the state of the economy. Maybe it is the political landscape that we live in. Maybe it is the concerns of <clears throat> what we're, what's going on in the job. Lots of things he's trying to get in our mind. He's got the media. He's got the radio and the television that's just pumping things in. Yeah. Again, it doesn't have to be sinful things if he can crowd out the things right. that we need to be meditating on that are going to cause us to profit, he says here in First Timothy 4, verse 15. The things that are going to cause us to be fit, the things that are going to cause us to grow, and the things that are going to cause us to be able to help others grow, if he can just sort of crowd those things out, then he's got us where he wants us. Yeah, yeah and I was thinking about uh, what... Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 13, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul's attitude was, I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I'm going to reach forward toward the prize. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. I'm not going to let anything take up too much of my time so that I'm distracted from from the goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've got to make sure that we stay focused on the goal. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back, because the reward will certainly be worth it all. Uh, Josh, we're not going to make any sacrifices plowing in the kingdom that won't be rewarded. Uh, we need to make sure that we understand that, and it'll be tempted to look back. I agree. All right. Um, Kyle, nothing from you tonight. Any uh, comments on your end? No, I think it's a... It's a good study. I think uh, we need to make sure that we're fit. I think we need to make sure that, you know, a simple Christian life is not a bad thing. I think we need to declutter our lives and make sure that we're mm-hmm. making, putting God first. And that sounds simple, but, you know, stop scrolling on Facebook and put down go. the social media and yep, turn off dwell, the radio. On, dwell yep. on the word for a little bit and just try to simplify your life. I think you'll find you live a lot better, a lot, a lot happier. So yeah. amen to that. Yeah. Uh, and, Kyle, we don't have long. No, None no, of us we have don't. Long. And we're going to keep, well, I'll get around to that. Well, you better get on it now. And this may, you may not have many more days. None of us might. Right. None of us do have a lot of That's time true. left. Yeah, life's Man, short. Life is short. And let's be striving to be fit for the kingdom. Good topic tonight, Josh. Thanks for suggesting it and for your comments. Yeah, enjoyed being here. Thank enjoyed you. being with you. Kyle, thanks for getting us out on, the, on tonight on the air. And thank you for being a part of the program. Uh, we hope that you have benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.